welcome Hoosier fans to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 217th edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 717th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of June 17th, 2021. I'm your host, the coach, Brian Tonsoni. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call, how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Smart takes the shot. So Hoosiers have won the national championship. This week's banner moment occurred uh, this entire past week with the beginning of the summer period of the college basketball schedule. On-court workouts began. Cliff Marshall is doing his work in the weight room and on the sand pit. Uh, Recruits are able to make official and unofficial visits on campus again. Indiana basketball has made a lot of positive changes since the end of last season. Fans are excited again, and now we are beginning to see the new staff at work for real. A new roster is exciting, but each player needs to improve their game, learn new terminology, and accept new roles and that's what the summer is all about. These players need to continue to develop their bodies, learn to shoot better, and do what they can to help Indiana basketball return to prominence. The roster is a constant work in progress, and this past week we saw quite a few players come to campus to visit the program. The workouts, the visits are all important aspects of winning. Just like the first few months of Coach Woodson's regime, the summer seems to be going well, and let's hope that it continues and Indiana basketball finds its winning ways. Uh, Okay, let me introduce my esteemed co-hosts for tonight. Ryan and Andy are both off this week. They should be back next week. Filling in is one of the most trusted names on the IU basketball beat, the man who has been running inside the hall for well over a decade. He's also the proud fan of the team with the best record in Major League Baseball, the Chicago White Sox. Congratulations, uh, Alex. Uh, That hurts me to say that, um, but I'm happy for you. Alex, your thoughts on uh, the state of Indiana basketball this summer? Well, first of all, Coach, thanks for having me. It's good to uh, to good to good to be here. Always fun to to come on the show. And and the White Sox may not have the the best record after uh, this weekend. They're in Houston for a four game series, so we'll see how that goes. But in terms of IU basketball, it's been obviously a, a busy week just from um, recruiting. Standpoint, but you mentioned just kind of getting back to the workouts, and you know, I think I think the biggest thing is 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 everybody getting back into a routine uh, within the program. I think one thing that's obviously is different with a new coaching staff and people, uh, everyone trying to get familiar with their bearings, but at the same time, I think for these players, uh, with the uncertainty that they've had to go through the last couple of years, getting on a routine and getting a, a schedule, and then it's been it's been nice to see the all of the, the tweets and information that's been uh Disseminated with them working out with Cliff Marshall, it seems like they've really uh, gotten to work there with the off-season uh, strength and conditioning program. So, I think more than anything else, this is uh, an exciting time for IU fans because they're excited uh, about the future of the program for the first time, really. I would say since 2018 or so, when when Romeo Langford uh, signed. I mean, this is this is the most optimism that there's been uh, about IU basketball in a long time. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that Mike Woodson is, is somebody that, that a lot of people can relate to because he was an IU guy. He grew up in Indiana and uh, so far he's, he's really pushed all the right buttons just in terms of getting this thing off uh, on the right foot and, 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 
and uh, you know, having this trip coming up uh, for Atlantis uh, in in August, I think is is also kind of excited people a little bit more uh, in terms of being able to uh, to have something to look forward to, get a sneak peek of, peek of the season. So overall, I mean, uh, you know, I'm just I'm just glad that it seems like we're trending back towards a more normal uh, season next year overall in college basketball. Yeah, I agree with you. It just seems normal. Again, recruits coming and seeing the workout videos and and just uh, everything that's happened uh, since Coach Woodson's got here has really uh, pushed me uh, uh, back to the times of uh, winning ways. So that's a a positive. And here's what we're going to cover this week. Uh, uh, Hoosier headlines, a lot of recruiting news. We'll go over that here in just a second. Uh, The second segment, our main topic, uh, with off-season workouts now, uh, Alex and I will discuss uh, what skills beyond shooting, um, and maybe even including shooting, that each player needs to develop their strengths, what we expect, what their weaknesses are, and maybe what we would do to help them improve. Um, And then, of course, we'll answer your questions in segment three. All of that is coming up this week on Assembly Call Radio. Uh, We have no ad for this week, but just buy something for uh, the dad in your life, your your dad or or a special dad that you know. Uh, Father's Day is coming up Sunday. Make sure you support them. I also want to say just take care of each other. Um, I, I um, really appreciate uh, our Assembly Call Nation and and Chat Mob and and, and friends locally that supported uh, my wife and I uh, during the last two weeks of, of her surgery. Uh, it's just been a blessing to hear kind words. But let's just generally take care of each other. Uh, and that's what Indiana people do, and that's what Hoosiers do is take care of each other. So enjoy Father's Day. Uh, buy something special for that special dude in your life. Uh, here we go. Let's hit the, the Hoosier um, – Headlines. Recruiting. Uh, there were some visits. Kayla Banks, Kyle, Kyle Filipowski, and Justin Turner all visited. Uh, Jalen Hoods Shafino is scheduled for uh, June 28th. Uh, and then some new offers uh, came out. Uh, Caleb Glenn, uh, Jeremy Fears, and Cohen Carr, 2023 prospects, uh, all have been offered recently. And we'll get Alex's take on, on some of that uh, recruiting news here in just a second. And then uh, the other piece of news is Northern Kentucky was added to the schedule. We have Merrimack on the schedule, Northern Kentucky, plus the uh, obligations uh, that uh, with the conference tie-ins and the Crossroad Classics. So we're starting to get uh, a little bit of a, a non-conference schedule to go with the opponents that we know in the Big Ten schedule. And it's just creeping closer and closer uh, to, to basketball season. So, Alex, let's go back to, to the recruiting. We You talked about getting back into that routine, and, and Indiana's doing that. We're seeing the golf carts out. We're seeing pictures of, of recruits uh, coming to campus, uh, some, some high-quality young men coming uh, to, to visit, and Coach Woodson getting a chance to, to pitch Indiana basketball. Uh, what can you share with us about um, those visits uh, that have taken place? Yeah, well, obviously um... – it's been uh, a busy couple of weeks, starting with the Caleb Banks visit. Um, had a chance to talk to his mom uh, after that visit, and it was clear to me that she was very impressed with just the facilities at Indiana. Um, you know, I think a lot of times people talk about the facilities at Indiana in a negative light and maybe dwell on some of the things that aren't good, but. Uh, without realizing that a lot of things uh, there that that are very good and and um, you know I'm not sure if this is just from somebody coming to, from the south where basketball isn't kind of the same as what it is uh, in Big Ten country, but it's clear to me that 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 they were very impressed with with just everything uh, in terms of 
uh, the facilities and, and Caleb himself too uh, called it a player's dream. So really in terms of a um, endorsement uh, from a recruit coming out of a visit, that's just about as strong of, of comments as you could get. Uh, Justin Taylor uh, this morning had a, a chance to talk at length with his mom who played college basketball herself. Uh, she's a lawyer. Her daughter played college basketball. Her dad played at Duke. So she knows the ins and outs of the game. And and I know, Coach, you were uh, impressed with some of her uh, words that she put together just in terms of uh, the X's and O's. It showed me that she was really invested in terms of uh, learning as much as she could from the visit, taking everything she could from it, uh, not just showing up and kind of going through the motion. She was there to ask questions and, and learn and, and kind of get a feel for the atmosphere. Very impressed. I think she was very impressed uh, as well. Um, and, and then Kyle Filipowski, I talked to his high school coach today, Mike Mannix out of Wilbraham and Munson Academy, which is up in the uh, New England area. Um, it's been a real busy month for Kyle just in terms of visits. Uh, with Like all these guys, you know, they haven't been able to b- go – anywhere in terms of college visits for 15 months and uh he he's one of the guys that that this spring really kind of blew up and and kind of got uh, a little bit more pub nationally and, and there was uh a ton of schools interested in having him on campus he still got some more visits lined up the rest of the month but but it was clear too from talking to his high school coach that, that indiana made a really strong impression so you know it's 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 hard sometimes to um you know, read between the lines uh, when you're talking to these parents, coaches, players afterwards, because there's 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 really not a lot of instances where a visit's going to go bad, uh, so to speak. Uh, you you'd, you'd probably have to intentionally try to screw something up, right? Because you can plan everything out and you you know what you're going to show. You have an itinerary. You know, you're going to take them out to eat. You're going to let them see the living facilities. You're going to let them go into assembly call or assembly hall. Sorry, excuse me. <laughs> um, you're going to let them uh, try on the uniform, do photo shoots, all that kind of stuff, right? That 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 stuff is fun. Um, but, but you know, I think just from talking to all people connected to all three of these recruitments, as I had and, and kind of wrote uh, about, I, I think, you know, it, I think that they did, they did really uh, feel, um, you know, good about the visits. Does that mean that Indiana is going to get any of these kids, all these kids? No, it doesn't mean anything. I mean, you can do a, a, a heck of a job recruiting a kid and, and you know, one, you get beat by one school, right? They don't, they don't give you a, you know, a prize for finishing second in recruiting. You can put all this time and effort in and, and do a great job and uh, you finish second. So, you know, people always want to kind of, want to, you know, the, the crystal ball 24 seven people like to look at that and, and, but ultimately, I think it comes down to relationships always, and and where a kid feels the most comfortable. Comfortable, and and you know, they, they the official visits these coaches. I mean, uh, you know, Syracuse schools like like that, Duke. I mean, these places they know how to uh, put together a good visit too. So it's it's definitely a competitive world. And I think the one good thing that looking specifically at Taylor and Filipowski, you look at the list of schools that they're considering uh in addition to indiana th- th- these are schools that are, are really kind of at the top of the heap in college basketball in many ways and and those are kind of the schools that you're gonna have to beat out if you want to get the best kids that can make an impact 
A couple things that that stood out to me, Alex, was um, and and, and you know, go to inside the hall, everyone. Read there's some excellent write ups on on these visits, and, and they're very informative. Um, good, good stuff, Alex. By the way, I really appreciate your work. Um, but Coach Woodson sitting next to people at dinner. Um, and, and having a conversation I, that that was mentioned somewhere in 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 things, and then the the evolve and the south end zone, the nutrition, all of that being local is these are some common threads that I'm seeing in different articles and different mentions about recruiting um, that that I'm reading, and I think those are just good signs for Indiana basketball. I, I think one of the things that has happened in the past is that you know the the head coach might not have been as involved in recruiting as he should have been, and, and Coach Woodson is sitting down there and really being seen as a as a true um, person who cares. It was just said in the, in the chat with Brett that our coaches seem to excel at relationships, and, and that's coming through in these comments from. Um, from parents and players and coaches that if we get these guys, it's going to be because of the relationship. Obviously the basketball part is huge in that as well, but, um, and then kudos going out to whoever was sunbathing at, um, uh, evolve because, uh, you know, Mrs. Taylor said that her son was quite impressed with the, the, the evolve apartments and, and the pool atmosphere. So, you know, what, whatever it takes to, to maybe land a, a few of these guys, but those, those common things, I think Alex really play. Um, what I've been so impressed with coach Woodson is his ability to collaborate and his ability to just want to build that family back to what we know Indiana basketball is all about. Um, what kind of vibe do you get in a, in a kind of a summary of, of talking to these, these guys and their families? Yeah, I mean, family atmosphere, down to earth, easy to talk to. Those are the words that you hear the most when talking to these parents and, and kids about Mike Woodson, uh, somebody that they can relate to. And, and his mom, I thought, made a, a very interesting point in just that, you know, despite everything that he's accomplished as a player, you know, all these guys, he's worked with these pros and everything, but you know, he's easy to talk to, easy to relate to. and And that's... You know, I think that means something uh, just to be viewed as a regular guy that you can have a conversation with somebody that's approachable, somebody that wants to. Uh, she mentioned, too, about, you know, she really got the sense that uh, Mike Woodson would be somebody that would want to have a relationship with a player beyond those four years at the school. And this isn't to take a shot at Archie Miller or anything, but I think that's something that was bit, that has been missing from Indiana basketball. I, I didn't get the sense, and you know, I don't talk to a lot of former players, but I talk to some. But I, I don't get the sense that that was something that that was really happening. Uh, just in terms of you know, a lot of communication. Once a guy left the program, it wasn't like it didn't seem to me like guys were were really coming back and and being uh, around things all that much. And I think. Uh, one thing that Mike Woodson's talked about from the beginning is everybody being always being welcome to come back and 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 kind of reuniting the family, um, and, and I think uh, it's it's one thing to say that, but to actually carry it out and do it, I I have confidence that that's something that that Mike Woodson's going to really emphasize and follow through on. And, and you know, Alex, it's got to be on your agenda for the day to do that too. Like you, you said something right there. It just can't be something you say in public and then not follow through. 
Uh, but I think that's very, very important in building a collegiate program. I think it's important in our high school program. We always welcome players after they graduate to come back um, and, and talk to the team and do things like that. And that's how you create that long-lasting culture. That word culture is overused a lot in sports now about building that culture. It, it is important, uh, but it's just overused every time a new coach is hired. Uh, but th- this is part of Coach Woodson, and, and I really think – um, those things are going to matter. Now, whether that means these three guys come to Indiana or not, like you said, there there's a, a, a variety of reasons for these kids to select schools. Uh, and if Indiana finishes second, it doesn't mean that, that Coach Woodson didn't do uh, everything he could to, to get them to come. But I do want to talk about one more thing here in, in this segment from uh, Justin Taylor's mom. She talked about watching some workouts and some practice and some things while she was on, on campus. And she had played basketball and obviously has basketball background uh, with her daughter and, and family, as you mentioned. But she talked about they haven't put in offense yet. Uh, and he's been uh, they've been able to do on-court workouts individual and whatever the NCAA rules are for now a week and she talks specifically about guarding the ball screens and switching and rotating differently than what has been done in the past and so she picked that up and, and if the study the pros they do a lot of rotation defense instead of just one man switches or two man switches and so it's just a couple things. Uh, I thought it was good he's working on defense first because that was my main concern, uh, that uh, can these guys guard. And second, I really like bringing some of that NBA-style defense, um, defensive ideas to cover things differently. And so the three-man switch is something, if you want to Google it, Golden State runs it, um, where a switch is just I take your man and you take mine, but now a third guy comes in, and what it does is when the big man rolls to the basket, you have a big covering the roll, and the guy guarding the ball screen runs to the wing. It's a it's a really unique way to to guard the ball screen. We've all been cl- clamoring for better ball screen defense for a long time. So her comments there, and the, and the other thing was conditioning with basketball drills, um, trying to teach the defensive concepts of clo- probably closing out, sprinting to help, recovering, getting back on defense as part of their conditioning. Really like that defensive mindset. That's the kind of coach I am. Uh, yes, I want to see the three ball go in, but those are some things I thought were really. Uh, important for a parent to pick up of a of a recruit, but I think that we as fans can get a little bit of insight into, um, you know, some of the ins and outs of of what Coach Woodson wants to do from her comments. Yeah, originally when I started talking to her, I was going to write a story, and then by the end of the conversation, I said to her, "Do you mind if I just run this as a Q and A, a full transcript?" She said that that's fine, but but the reason I wanted to include all that is because that was. I learned something because I'm still trying to figure out exactly what Indiana basketball is going to look like moving forward. I mean, we can ask Mike Woodson all these questions and get answers, but until we actually see it in motion, yeah. and this was coming from somebody that knows basketball and saw it in motion. So I thought it was really uh, interesting, uh, all the details that, that she shared and, and kind of how she described it. And, and I really, I kind of learned some, some things from her. So, it's it's definitely. Um, I think I speak for most Indiana uh, basketball observers uh, that like to watch uh, the program. It's going to be nice, I think, to get away from the pack line defense. Um, as much as everybody tried to um, accept it and, and like it, um, I, I just think there was so many things that were uh, 
wrong uh, with that system. And and uh, it was funny a couple weeks ago when we talked to Woods and him him asking about like what is the pack line. And I'm sure you guys talked about that over the last couple yeah. weeks on the show. But uh, I think it's going to be a welcome change just to go to to uh, you know a more modern style on something that's uh, definitely. I mean, you're trying to send guys to the NBA. What better way than to kind of bring a system? Uh, that that has a lot of NBA components in it, and uh, something that that guys are going to be able to, to to play when they go to the next level. I can't think of very many guys that are going to the NBA and playing the pack line. Yeah, it, it's it's going to be interesting <laughs> to see whether he forces middle, forces baseline, those little intricate pieces of defense. Um, we've all been talking about this magical four out one, and we really don't know what that is either. But now that they're starting to work on the court, and and people are starting to share comments like. Um, uh, the Taylor uh, mom did Carrie Taylor. Uh, you can see some insights in that, but again, I I really have liked what he said about defense. I just can't wait to see some of it uh, in in action. So coming up on Assembly uh, Call Radio, uh, off season workouts um, have begun, and we're going to talk um, about what that might look like for each player. Talk about their strengths, their weaknesses, and what we might suggest they work on as we go down the roster in our estimation. Stick with us here on the Assembly Call. Every day, thousands of hackers try to steal your crypto. But Arculus uses air-gapped technology by forming a protective barrier that insulates you from hackers and secures your crypto. Order yours at GetArculus.com. What's going on? It's Christian Wofford. What's the only thing better than an epic buzzer beater? Celebrating it with friends afterwards. Join my guys, Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on the Assembly Call after every IU game. Go Hoosiers. Welcome back to the Assembly Call. How do you keep up with the fire hose of information that comes out almost every day about IU basketball? It's crazy during this offseason, and especially this season. Well, we've got your back. Send out a, We send out a free weekly email newsletter on Sunday mornings. It rounds up the most important and interesting IU basketball stories from the previous week to keep you up to date on your Hoosiers. We have over 8,000 IU fans on the list, and we want you to be there too. So go to join.assemblycall.com to subscribe for free right now. That's join.assemblycall.com. You can also text IU to 66866. That's IU to 66866. Okay. Uh, I'm a coach, Brian Tonsoni, here with Alex Bozich of Inside the Hall and Jay Horry of uh, the Mediocre Question fame. Um, and so I, I thought real quick, we'll try to run through this as, as quick as possible. We have 13 players, uh, and we could probably have a segment on, on each player. But the offseason is here. Coach Woodson's back in the gym, uh, and the NCAA allows a certain number of hours each week for the players to work. We obviously know the team needs to work on shooting. Um, all the way around the board. Even the good shooters need to get better at shooting. Uh, but we're going to look at the players, what we see as their strength, uh, maybe their weakness, and something that you would suggest um, to the coaching staff maybe that uh, each player needs to uh, to work on. And we'll just go quick uh, around uh, the round table uh, and see where, see where we go. So let's start off um, with uh, the main guy, Trace Jackson Davis. Alex, what? Uh, what can we expect from him next year, and what do you think uh, is a weakness that is obvious for you that he needs to work on? Coach, before I before I start here, I want to say it's nice to have another New Albany man on the show with me. 
tonight. So we we finally got to the point where takeover. we've got a Southern Indiana takeover of symbol. Um, but yeah, no, no. Yeah, uh, now we now we just good, need Romeo on here, and then we'll be good to go. <laughs> yeah, good to see you, Jay. Um, <laughs> good to see you. Um, Trace Jackson Davis. I mean, coming into the season, he's going to be in the conversation for Big Ten Player of the Year, right? So it's yeah. not like you say there's a ton of things to work on, but I would say, obviously, the right hand uh, has to get better. That's just a no-brainer. I like to see him be a better rebounder, um, more aggressive. I mean, I think, you know, if you're a really, really aggressive guy around the rim and in and, and, and the paint, you can you can easily pick up a couple of cheap baskets every game just by just by pursuing rebounds harder and being more aggressive in the paint. So um, th- those. Obviously, the right hand is the, is the number one thing that sticks out, but I would like to see him be a little bit more aggressive going to the glass. Jay? I want to see Trace become a really good rim, rim protector. I think he gets – you know, I think the blocks that he gets are usually on-ball defense. Um, I want to see him be able to defend the pick-and-roll. And, you know, I heard you talking about how we're going to might, – we might play the pick-and-roll coach, but I want to see him be able to defend the, the pick-and-roll, get back into the lane, and change and challenge shots at the rim. You know, I think a lot of times we gave up so many layups. It felt like just guys get easily get into the rim because teams put Trace in one in one pick and roll action, and then he could never recover. So I want to see him be able to to handle that pick and roll, and then really really add that rim protection that I think this team really needs. Uh, I'm going to comment. Uh, Denny Brown in in the chat says about uh, the the layups sometimes that he missed. I think Trace Jackson Davis needs to get better post position, a better angle, so that he can make a move and go strong to the basket instead of always trying to go through someone's chest and over some of the bigger guys. So I think post positioning is something that that I might suggest. And then we're going to spend a lot of time on shooting, but he needs to be able to pick and pop and elevate from from the elbows. And, and the short corners, and, and really be aggressive. You saw him at times take that, but I thought he was real hesitant. It's got to be an automatic that if he catches at that elbow and has you know some space to, to be able to shoot that. I'm not interested in seeing him shoot the three because I don't think that's beneficial for Indiana. But if he can shoot the 15-footer, he's going to help Indiana, and he's going to show the pros that he can develop that uh, as time goes on. All right, next on the list is Race Thompson. Uh, Jay, we'll start with you. What would you like to uh, see Race get better at uh, over the summer? Yeah, I mean, I think it's the Race is the obvious one. If he can hit if he can hit the three, if he can be that stretch four that this offense is going to really rely on, I think it kind of takes this team to another level because he brings everything else, defense, toughness, rebounding. He can score in the post. But if he can step out and hit that long jumper, I think that really elevates this team's ceiling. Alex, Race. Yeah, I agree with Jay on the three-point shooting and, and kind of to follow up on that. I mean, I remember watching him in 2017 down in Dallas when he was playing with D1 Minnesota, uh, really when Indiana started to first rec- recruit him. Uh, he was more than comfortable shooting from the mid-range and even stepping out and taking the three. I think a lot of that is just confidence and kind of being the green, given the green light to do that. And I think if Mike Woodson is going to want to play those two guys together, one of them is going to have to be able to shoot the three reliably. Otherwise you're back into the same position that we were before in terms of clogging up the paint. So uh, that that's definitely one thing. And then I think just free throw shooting, I mean, you're going to be that aggressive at the rim and get fouled and, and go at guys. You got to be able to step up to the line and make free throws. It doesn't really do Indiana uh, that, that good, that, that much good to get fouled that often and then not be able to make free throws. 
if he's going to play the four, I think in, in our show with Rob Doster a few weeks ago, we were talking about you got to be a threat to, to hit the three in college basketball. And it's almost to a point where, where you had the Filipowski kid in as a 6'11 shooter. You almost need your fives to shoot threes anymore. Um, you know, I don't think we have a couple right now that can do that, but that's the area. He has to be a threat if he's going to be able to play the four. Uh, and uh, then uh, he's going to have to guard some, uh, be able to guard and, and and on some pick and rolls, guard quicker guys too from that from that four position. Um, here, here's an important player. I'm a, I'll start this one, and then we'll go to Alex and around around uh, Rob Finnessy. Um, Rob, Rob needs to just find his confidence. Um, you know, I, I think he he has shown an ability to guard. I think he has shown an ability to handle the basketball and be an assist maker. Um, but I think he just needs to gain confidence and be more aggressive, be ready to shoot when he's open, uh, and you need to, to put him in positions this summer uh, to gain that confidence back if, if, we're, if, if Indiana's going to get anything uh, out of him. And so I know that's not necessarily a basketball skill, but uh, you can be a, a good shooter, good dribbler, good defender, but if you don't play with confidence, uh, th- that's, that's going to limit you. So th- that's a big thing. Is And then understanding what role he's going to be with, with Xavier coming in, um, what, what's his role, and, and he's got to understand that. But, um, you know, the other thing – Well, I'll see what you guys say, and I'll add it on. Go ahead, Alex. I would just say, um, overall, you make a really good point with his confidence, but I would like to see uh, just him be a little bit more aggressive just in terms of looking for his offense. You know, this year, if he's going to be playing off the ball a little bit with uh, with Xavier Johnson with the ball in his hands a little bit more, he's going to have to be aggressive and willing to take shots when they're there and, and have the confidence to make them. So that kind of falls in line with, with what you said uh, in terms of uh, just the confidence. And the other thing I would say is it's clear to me that Dane Fife is expecting a lot more from him defensively. Uh, he wants to see him kind of get back to the guy we saw the first couple of years. I think he got a little bit away from that this season. Uh, he needs to kind of get back to uh, being able to kind of differentiate himself as one of the better uh, defenders in the Big Ten moving forward, if he wants to maintain the the, the playing time that that he's uh, had his first couple of years, because let's face it, uh, it it's not going to be like the last two seasons where guys are just handed minutes. It's going to be uh, a lot more competitive uh, to get those minutes, and if you're not getting the job done, you're going to be uh, replaced by somebody that will. Jay? Yeah, I mean, I think I think with Rob, so much of what the good things he can do start on the defensive end, as you said, Alex. I mean, I think he really has to embrace being the on-ball point-of-attack defender and try to disrupt everything that the other team's doing. I think if he if he can be successful doing that, I think his confidence will grow overall. And I and I, as you mentioned, Coach, he, I think he's going to play a lot more off the ball. He's got to be ready to catch the ball and shoot it. He's got to be able. He's got to be ready to catch the ball, pump fake, get by the defender, get in the lane, drop it to the dunker spot, things like that. So I think he has to, as you said, be in an attack mode and on both sides of the ball, whether it's guarding the the team's other team's point guard or being ready to really create something on the offensive end when the ball gets to him. He's going to have to be a good decision maker with pace. He was too cautious, uh, and whether that was scheme, uh, whether that was you know pressure on running certain offenses last year, which it very 
you know, it, it could well be the reason. And, and maybe Coach Woodson coming and wanting his point guards and his guards to be in attack mode a little bit more than what was in the last four years. That might just be the solution. But he's got to play and be more aggressive uh, getting north-south if he's going to play. Because this next guy – that's his strength. Xavier Johnson, from watching his tape, that dude gets in the lane, and he likes to score at the rim, and he likes to dish, and he's really good at it. Um, Alex, some things that, again, we haven't seen these next three guys, uh, four guys as transfers in. We haven't really seen them play in Indiana uniforms, uh, so we might have seen them briefly on, on six-minute videos or whatever. Um, but, boy, Xavier is going to be that guy that goes north-south, which Indiana has missed uh, quite a bit recently, but something that you think uh, he might need to, to uh, pay attention to this summer. Yeah, I mean, turnovers are one thing that he's really got to get better at. Um, talking From talking to somebody that, that watched him closely at Pitt, that, that was kind of the main thing that they had. When I, and I asked them just kind of how he translates to Indiana in the Big Ten, and, and they said, you know, he's a super talented guy, capable of doing a lot of things, but is just not – doesn't always value the ball uh, as well as he needs to. And I think that's going to be something that's very important. Uh, it, you know, it's it's great that he can get out and transition. It's great that he can create for others. You know, he, I think he needs to get better with the shooting, but I don't necessarily think they're really counting on him to be that knockdown three-point shooter, but he's got to be able to take care of the ball and not turn it over. And I think that's the biggest thing that kind of stands out looking at his numbers. Jay. Yeah, I want to see. I want to see what he's like on the defensive end. I mean, I've I've watched a few full games of his, but mostly highlights. And I want to see him because I, I think most of the time he'll be he'll be on the floor, probably guarding the two guy. So he might be guarding a guy that's a little bigger than he is, even though you know Xavier's still a pretty big, strong kid. But I think he'll probably be guarding the two guy with either you know if he's on the floor with Lander or if he's on the floor with Fennessy. Those guys will probably be guarding the point guards. So. I want to see him really become a, a, a good wing defender. I mean, he has all the tools. He's a he's a very good athlete. Uh, he's a strong guy. I mean, I think it's just – and he has he has the drive and the effort. I mean, he, the, the guy plays hard. So I want to see him really really be a good defender. The turnovers that Alex mentioned are, are the con- – are the main concern for me. He's gotten better every year in his assist-to-turnover ratio. Uh, last year it was 1.7, but an acceptable college guard is 2-1 to one, uh, assist-to-turnovers. A really good point guard is 3 or 4-1. to one. So he's got a lot of room to, to, to work there. And I think some of it might have been that he, he felt pressure to make things happen for Pitt. Uh, and he might not need to do that with Trace Jackson Davis and some other players around him. Uh, I'm hoping that that frees him up to make the simple plays, the aggressive but simple plays, instead of trying to hit home runs. The few turnovers I saw in the in the brief film that I looked at, it just seemed like he made the right uh, – it was the right idea, but he tried too hard to, to make it happen between you know a couple people or, or he just didn't execute a pass here. He's too in a hurry. The other thing that concerns me is that it, there was some mention, too, about – um, his emotion, um, and I think uh, there were some technical foul issues and some things, and that might have led to the disagreement between him and Coach uh, at, at Pitt. But I think uh, Kenya Hunter has had a great relationship with him, and I'm really counting on on Kenya and Coach Woodson, who's who's coached NBA egos, um, to really work on that and improve that. So, so those are some things I think that Xavier, uh, Jay, we'll start with you, Parker Stewart. Hey, hey, coach, hey, coach, yeah. one more thing on Xavier on, on the emotions and the technicals too. It sucks to play on a bad team. Like yeah. maybe playing on a bad team is not fun. And but if, you're if you're the guy who's yeah, and maybe losing's not fun. And if you're the only guy, if you're the best guy on the team, and you're trying to take it all upon yourself, 
that can be really frustrating. So I think I think the uh, that that might be a little overblown on on the uh, on the emotional the technical foul stuff. Sure, and, and again, a change of scenery sometimes changes that easily too. Uh, you get to a place where where it's a lot better. But this next guy, I am I am really excited about watching because I just don't know a lot about him. But boy, and, and I'm not a big Instagram guy and and the, and the sand pit guy. You know, I want to see wins and in, in that. But the the weight room really does matter. And boy, he looks strong. Like Cliff Marshall's really done some work with him. That's Parker Stewart. Uh, so Jay, your thoughts on uh, what he brings, strengths, and man, maybe what you'd like him uh, to to work on, or what you th- you want to see from him next year. Yeah, I mean, we all know that Parker can score the ball. I mean, he can shoot it from – he can get to the rim. He can score at all three levels. Um, a really kind of crafty scorer. I mean, he, you know, any, any guy that can score double digits as a freshman in the ACC, uh, you know he can score. And then he's, what, two and a half or three years removed from that now? Um, so I think I'm expecting him to come in and be a really big threat to score the ball every time he touches it. I, I don't know, you know, obviously when he was at his last stop, everything ran through him. You know, he had the ball in his hands. He had an incredibly high usage rate. I'm inter- interested to see kind of how he does off the ball. You know, is his off the ball movement um, kind of what you want from that wing player who's ready to catch and shoot, who's kind of, you know, can one dribble shoot, uh, can get his guy off balance and get into the lane. So I'm inter- interested to see uh, how he plays off the ball. Alex Parker Stewart. I mean, I would say defensively is where I have my most question about him because I just don't know what to expect. I mean, I've, I've I've watched obviously a little bit of film on him. I haven't watched uh, anything in depth, and so I don't know what type of defender he is. Uh, I know he can obviously shoot the ball and score, which is has a ton of value on a Indiana team that hasn't been able to do that with any reliability the last couple of years. But he's going to have to be able to to hold his own uh, defensively. Uh, it's it's not like there's an all, all defensive uh, backcourt that he's going to have to supplant, but he's going to have to at least be, you know, average to above average, I think, to to uh, kind of play the minutes that, that many people are expecting him to. So that's that's really my biggest question. And I'm not saying that he's not capable of that. I just haven't watched him play enough or kind of, uh, you know, he, he's obviously didn't play last season at all. So I don't have a great feel for what he looks like on that end. So that's kind of my biggest question. And, and, and obviously uh, we know he can score, so um, – We'll, we'll see how he is defensively. Yeah, I, I would have to second that. Um, can, can he play defense in the Big Ten? Is is a whole different thing too from uh, some of the leagues where 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 you come in and and even in the ACC, a quality league like that. But half the league is is somewhat not not as good as the the fourteen teams that uh, that or the thirteen teams in the Big Ten that Indiana has to play. And it's a more physical game too. So um, defense for me is, is and, yeah. I mean. He was he was also on some bad like I mean Jay mentioned Xavier Johnson yeah. playing on some bad pit teams I mean Parker Stewart was on bad pit teams too so basically if you've yeah, been we'll at pit recently you've been on bad teams that's what yeah. we're saying. and and <laughs> exactly. then you're going to transfer to IU so we we, we take the best of, of that this next guy I don't know a whole lot about we'll throw it to Alex um, but the big uh, seven footer uh, Michael Durr uh, what's he going to bring um, and, and what kind of things do you think he needs to add to his game. Well, I mean, you know, I wrote that kind of piece a couple of weeks ago, just breaking down his game, looking at some of the numbers. I mean, I, I think he needs to get better finishing his twos. I mean, his two-point field goal percentage is a little bit lower than what you would have liked. But then again, I, I don't know what the quality of looks that he was getting um, uh, necessarily at, at South Florida. 
not a, not a great team. Um, you know, at Indiana, he may be a little bit uh, less reliant on on kind of creating for his own, maybe a beneficiary of, of, of other guys setting him up and getting open looks. But that that to me, the, the biggest thing with him is just going to be uh, for a guy that, that's likely a backup. Obviously, uh, I think the fifty and being able to come in. And if anybody's when you get your opportunity and also uh, defend and block shots at a, at a reasonably good level, I don't think his block shot, his block percentage looking at it wasn't particularly high on Ken Palm. But when I watched film of him, he seemed to challenge shots pretty well. So that can be just as valuable, you know, even if you don't block the shot, if you can alter the shot or, or, or make guys uncomfortable, I think that can be obviously just as valuable. And he seemed to be pretty good there. But I think those, I mean, really, out of any backup big, those are the kind of things uh, you look for. Can you finish plays when you get it open at the rim, and can you, you know, challenge guys defensively? I mean, because that, to me, that's his value is uh, really uh, centered upon what what he can give defensively, and if he can give Race Thompson and, and Trace Jackson Davis a break without uh, having a huge drop off when he's on the floor. Jay. Yeah, I mean, I don't really have a ton to add uh, uh, from what Alex just said. I mean, I, I think, you know, you from a backup big, you need, he needs to be able to catch the ball. He needs to be able to dunk the ball. And then he needs to be able to, you know, maybe pick up a couple fouls against the other team's bigs. And, uh, you know, basically you, you don't want his minutes to be a negative. You know, if he's on the court, it, it usually means Trace is off the court. So he needs to come in and be able to maintain a certain level of play um, and so the team can let Trace, Trace race. There's Trace race. So let Trace rest. So so he has time to get. So he's not. So he's not out there 40 minutes a night getting drug around the place. So I think uh, I think I have hopes that Dewar, Dewar can do that. I think I think he was a good ad just for the sake of getting another body that can play the five. You know, uh, you talk about scoring in the post, Alex. To me, one of the most undercoached things in college basketball and high school basketball is post positioning. Uh, so many times uh, the, the teams rely on the athleticism. Throw it in and then jump over someone, try a jump hook. or or And you see guys going through. Well, I, I said about Trace Jackson Davis. They catch the ball, they turn into the defense, and then they throw some – some you know crap up at the at the rim and don't finish instead of really see we call it sealing in sealing out and really using your rear end to, to get position and get an angle when you catch the ball you got the defender on your back and can score uh, a, a little bit easier because you you have a path to the basketball uh, and that's something that I think we're going to watch the development you talk about individual development uh, your work in the post is done before you catch the ball uh, if you do work uh, early you're going to be able to score at a higher percentage and, and shoot a higher percentage from the post. And, and sometimes I think Indiana post players have just relied on their athletic ability, and it just looks awkward when you just fling something up over extended, walled-up hands of defenders. So um, let's hope that our post players do that. Miller Cop, another um, transfer in from Northwestern, uh, obviously uh, need him to get back to his shooting form uh, of the first couple years. And some of that was because he was heavily scouted uh, as a main player at Northwestern and was probably taken away from uh, what he wanted to do uh, the most. Uh, interesting for me, the question for me, guys, is is he going to be a three or is he going to be able to play the four? Is he strong enough to guard the four? Uh, can he play that position? That's where I'd like him to because I want to go small, personally. I, I, I like guards. as Even as a big guy, it's a guards game. 
Um, I'd like to see him play some four and, and really stretch a couple shooters out around. But I think from offense, he needs to be able to score off the, off the bounce and be a threat to get in and bully his way in, drop step and score uh, from the wing in the post. Uh, Jay, your thoughts on Miller Cop? Yeah, I completely agree with all of that. I mean, we know he can shoot the ball. He, he shot the ball well before. He shot at very high percentage at a high volume. Um, not particularly last year, but at least the year before that. Yeah, I, I'd like – and you've seen him do glimpse, glimpses of where he's he can get into the lane and create something in the lane. Um, definitely definitely want to see more of that from him because I think we're going to have – I think with the with the talent that we have on offense, I think we could get defenses, defenses in a scrambling position pretty quickly. And so once we get the defense scrambling, we need guys who can get into the lane, either make the right pass or make the or make the shot or kick it out to the open shooter. So I want to see some I want to see Cop be able to make those make those correct decisions once he gets chased off the three point line. Because I think I think most teams that's how they're gonna play him. They're gonna try to close out on it, close out on him hard and make him get off that three point line. Alex Miller Cop. Yeah, I mean he's gonna get open looks. Uh in far more volume than he ever did at Northwestern, just by the fact that he's going to be on a better team with more talent around him. I mean, he's he was you know the number two, three guy, whatever you want to call him at Northwestern the last couple of years. So he was at the top of the scouting report. He when he's playing next season for Indiana, that's not going to be the case. So you know teams are going to have to choose what what they want to do with him, and and he's not going to be the, the first thing that they're trying to stop. So I'm not too worried about him making shots. I want to see. What he can do defensively, and I also want to see rebounding. Uh, his rebounding numbers weren't necessarily all that great. That was something when it, when he when he first committed, uh, he said Woodson talked to him about. It. He's gonna have to get better at. It. You know, coach, you you mentioned him playing the four. If he's gonna play the four, he's he's gonna have to rebound a lot better than he has uh, before. So those th- those are the things with me. But I mean, I think I mean he's gonna get. I think two or three open wide open threes a game. It's just going to be a matter of whether or not he can knock those down because, you know, you're, you're not going to be able uh, to just to focus on him like, like teams were when he was at Northwestern. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see uh, where, where he ends up playing. Uh, you know, can, can he guard the three? He's played a lot of three at Northwestern from what, when I went back and, 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 and watched tape uh, on him. Uh, but I'd like to see him play the four, but there's some things he's going to have to do. Uh, Christian Lander, uh, Alex, um, your, your thoughts on where, where he needs to get better? I think mean, he just needs to get experience. I mean, he he didn't – you know, one of the, the things I'm looking forward to most this year about getting back to a regular schedule where you have those five or six games against – you want to call them buy games, you want to call them guarantee games, whatever you want to call them – to me, uh, this year they're going to be important because not only are you bringing uh, a new system, a new team together, but you're bringing some some guys along that haven't uh, really played all that much at the college level. I think those are the games where you kind of have to get him in there and get him uh, some confidence. Uh, that was the biggest thing that kind of held him back last year. I'm not, I don't, you know, I don't have any questions really about his talent. I mean, uh, just in terms of his floor, uh, kind of his, his ability to see the floor and, and his talent, I think is, is top notch, but I just want to see uh, him get the opportunity and, and get some confidence. And, and I think that's what, that's the biggest thing for, uh, for him. I mean, I, he's got to get stronger obviously, and, and kind of uh, maybe mature a little bit uh, because he he did come into college basketball younger uh, than most freshmen. But to me, the biggest thing for him is just experience and getting comfortable with the with the, the new system and getting a chance to get out there and, and make some mistakes and play through it. 
Alex, that's where I think, you know, we've talked about in the recruiting segment about Coach Woodson uh, being someone who could talk and, and be honest with players and his system. I think both Rob and Christian can be freed up to play their games a little bit more is something that I'm, I'm really looking forward to. To me, Christian Lander's got a guard. He's got to be able to stop the bounce, and he's got to be strong, and he's got to be able to stop uh, stop the drive because if it doesn't matter how good he is offensively if he's letting guys drive to the rim and putting Indiana in rotation. Um, and I think that's the, that's one of the reasons why he didn't get a lot of run uh, last year because I just don't think he, he could uh, guard. I thought he gave effort, um, but there's a difference between effort and execution. You could play hard and still not get the job done. Um, so, so for me, he, he's going to have to guard. Jay? I just want Christian to get back to the point where he's not overthinking everything on the basketball court. I mean, everything last year looked so robotic, and it wasn't just him, but like especially him, he looked like he was constantly thinking, okay, where should I be? Where should the next pass go? Do I need to go here? Do I need to do this? I just, I just, he needs to get out and play basketball. He's incredibly talented. He was very successful high school and AAU player. You know, you don't you don't get ranked like he was and, and be bad at basketball. So he's a very good player. He's got to get back to just doing the things he can do well and quit overthinking everything on the basketball court. That brings us uh, to uh, Jordan Geronimo. Um, and uh, for me, it's uh, his ability to score off the bounce because I, I think he's okay shooting right now, and I think he's got some decent post moves. But I think he if he's going to play the four and, we're, and you're going to play a little bit smaller, he's going to have to, you know, um, go off the bounce. Jay, uh your thoughts on Geronimo? Yes. I, I mean, he showed he could defend bigger players last year, but I want to see him do that consistently. I mean, if, if he, I mean, you know, Iowa's not the toughest team sometimes to defend if you can, if you can uh, let Garza get his and take away some of the shooters. But um, I, I want to see, I just want to see what kind of improvements he makes because we all know what kind of ceiling Geronimo has and it's a really high one. I want to see what he's done over the offseason to really kind of build those skills that he needs to be a successful Big Ten player. Alex? Yeah, quickly. I mean, I'll say just rebounding for him. I mean, you know, we, we talk about all these guys, like what are they going to do like in terms of their offensive game? There's so many, only so many shots to go around with this team next year. And I think if Geronimo is going to carve out a role for himself, he's got to pick one or two things that he's going to do exceptionally well uh, and carve out a role uh, as a result of those things. And I think rebounding is a thing that he obviously has the – the athleticism uh, and the size and strength to be good at it. He's just got to – I think he's got to do a better job in that area. So that, that that would probably be the thing that stands out uh, most to me. I mean, I, I agree with you that I'm not too worried about him as a shooter, but then again, I also wonder, like, how many shots is he realistically going to get uh, in a game? So uh, I think if he, if he wants to play, he's going to have to, you know, do the little things make the hustle plays to, to keep himself on the court. I mean, n- not not too dissimilar to what we saw kind of with Jawan Morgan and OG their freshman year when they kind of played those roles as freshmen. It wasn't like those guys were coming in and lighting it up and taking a lot of shots. They were they were doing the making the hustle plays and doing the little things, defending, rebounding, that, 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 that kind of kept, kept them on the court. And next is Trey Galloway. Um, uh, Jay, your thoughts on, on, on his improvement? Yeah, Trey is the biggest question mark on the roster for me, probably, because I'm not really sure where he fits in. Um, I don't, I'm, I'm not sure where he gets minutes unless unless he can hit an open jump shot. I mean, he was just such a such a minus on the offensive end of the court last year, and in, until he can step out and hit a shot, I, I don't know who which of these guys he's going to play over. Alex, 
I agree with Jay 100, 110%. I mean, I, you know, I, you know, I thought they were a little ambitious at times last year with his minutes. Um, that's, that's not a criticism of him in any way. And, and not to say that he didn't uh, deserve the minutes that he got, uh, you know, I just thought that, you know, offensively he was uh, hard to watch at times just with some, some of uh, the shots that he took and how badly they missed. So, uh, you know, if he if he if he wants to, I mean, just this is just, this is a numbers game. I mean, look at the look at the roster. If he wants to play next year, he's going to have to be able to down an open pointer. If he can't, then I I just don't see a huge role for him next season. His strengths are his ability to get out in transition and run the floor. Um, I don't know that that was utilized very well, and he he was very good at straight line driving, which Indiana did not have, and I think that's why he got minutes. But he needs an alternate moves. He needs to be able to stop going to the right and cross over and bring it back left, uh, and maybe even you know if he's not a three point shooter, maybe hit a pull up shot or something. But everything was hard baseline. And then he jump in the air, and sometimes a team started scouting that, and, and he he had some turnovers. And then obviously, I think he and Leo both. Um, have to get better uh, defensively as well, and that'll come with time. And that brings us to Anthony Leo, who, whose greatest strength is shooting. But I will tell you this, I thought his position on defense was fantastic. Anything where he got beat defensively was because he just wasn't quick enough. Uh, and his post feeds, um, passing, though, those are some areas where – he might be able to find some minutes, but I think he's like Trey, uh, guys, where he's going to be fighting for minutes because uh, some of the other guys are going to be able to do do some things uh, and be more athletic. Uh, but his ability to knock down shots in certain uh, situations and his ability to feed the post were his best assets um, last year. But he's, he's going to have to get better uh, as well on the bounce and being a creator uh, for others. Alex? Yeah, I mean, I think the- – I don't have concerns whether or not he can he can shoot, but uh, there's a difference between being able to shoot and being able to make shots in high pressure situations when somebody's coming at you and, and guarding you. And that that to me that was the thing he didn't do well enough last year. Uh, otherwise, he would have played uh, more than he did. Uh, that that to me is my biggest question with him is, you know, when he gets in there and gets his opportunity because it's not like he's going to get 25 or 30 minutes a game to kind of get his, his feet under him. Mean, he's going to have to be ready uh, when he comes in to catch the ball and make a shot. And if he doesn't uh, consistently, then it's going to be hard for him to get on the court. But one thing I will say about Anthony Leal is I've already said uh, a great work ethic and, and he's uh, going to have, I think, a really productive summer. So, uh, I think long term he projects to be uh, a very uh, per, you know productive player at the college level. I just don't know if it's going to uh, really uh, come to fruition this next season. But I, I do think you know bottom line for him is uh, in the game you catch the ball, you better be able to if you're open, you better be able to make the shot. Or uh, you don't really have anything else that's differentiating you f- from anybody else on the on the roster, particularly in the backcourt. It's it's a crowded situation. Jay, your thoughts on Leo? Yeah, Leal's a little bit like the opposite of Galloway for me. I mean, you know what Leal's going to bring on the offensive end. He can he can catch the ball and shoot the ball. Um, but on the defensive end, he's got to he's got to be a contributor. He's got to be able to stay in front of his man, and you know the people are going to attack him when he's in the game. So until he can show that he can, you know, stop drives, that he can help out, um, I think that's that's going to be his biggest uh, detriment from seeing consistent playing time. 
And and so we're down to the two incoming freshmen. I'll, I'll wrap that up real quick so we can mo- get moving to the third segment. Logan Duncan and and Tamar Bates. Uh, Bates is probably likely to get a lot more playing time. He he's athletic. He can shoot. He's a dynamic scorer. Uh, Duncan, you're going to love Duncan. I I, I uh, know coaches who coached against him in Cincinnati, uh, and he's got a great heart. He's a great offensive rebounder. Uh, has quick feet uh, defensively. He can shoot off both hands already. And Cincinnati Moeller has put their last two centers they sent to college are in the NBA right now. Um, the Hayes kid from Texas, and I, I, the name of the other one escapes me. So the 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 line of centers from Cincinnati Moeller has been quite impressive. I saw both of these at breakfast. I was in Bloomington a couple of weeks ago, uh, and they both uh, need to add some pounds and some strength uh, uh, in the weight room. Cliff Marshall's already got them working on it. Um, so we'll see. Um, where they end up. But I imagine Tamar Bates is going to get a lot more run, uh, and I'm really excited about seeing him. So uh, coming up here on the third segment, uh, we'll do some subscriber shout-outs that answer your non-basketball or or basketball questions, uh, plus Jay's mediocre question with a mediocre answer since he's here live. So stick around with us here on the Assembly Call. You're the kind of person who makes a difference at work. So why not work on something that makes a difference? At Zooks, we're looking for collaborative, inquisitive people who can help us achieve our mission. Safer, cleaner, more enjoyable mobility for everyone. Come build the future at Zooks. Find out more at zoox.com careers. Angie's List is now Angie, and getting your to-do list done just got easier. Between back to school and with the holidays around the corner, it can feel like there's no time to tackle home projects. Whether you need help with emergency repairs or major upgrades, Angie matches you with top local pros who can get the job done right. Browse reviews, see upfront pricing, and instantly book hundreds of projects. Save time for what matters most. Book your next project at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot Hi, this is James Blackman Jr. I never miss an open three, and I never miss an episode of The Assembly Call. Go Hoosiers! Welcome back, everyone. I'm the coach, Brian Tonsoni, here with Alex Bozich and Jay Horry as we get into segment three. And, uh... Segment three three means only one thing. Subscriber shout out, subscriber shout out. Our first subscriber shout out comes from Race Thompson's hometown of Minneapolis. It's Carlos Diego Garcia, who recently moved to Minneapolis from Bloomington. Carlos' favorite Hoosier is Isaiah Thomas. Carlos was 12 in 1981, has been a lifelong fan since then. Others in the mix, Winston Morgan, Jay Edwards, and Victor Aladipo. For his assembly call leader, Carlos says that if he has to choose, it's Jared. And Carlos' special acknowledgement is this, no more violence, love, peace to all. Thanks, Carlos, for your support. The second subscriber shout-out comes from Valerie Elliott in Indianapolis, one of our long-tenured listeners and Jim's better half. Valerie's favorite Hoosier of all time is Kent Benson. Her assembly call leader is also Jared, uh, about whom she says he seems to be on the same wavelength as me. 
And for her special acknowledgement, Valerie gives it to Dane Fife saying, quote, he said everything I said IU basketball needs in his press conference. Culture, culture, culture. They need to learn what the uh, beast that IU basketball is and what the fan base is and what it expects. So thank you, Valerie, again for your support. And now it's time uh, for the rest of our mailbag and questions were submitted via our private IU basketball discussion community, which you can learn more, ab- more about and join at assemblycall.com backslash community. A lot of good stuff, a lot of good articles, a lot of good contributions uh, in our uh, community. So, um, it's not that good, but it's not that bad. It's Jay's Mediocre Question. All right, we got the Mediocre Question live tonight, everyone. Uh, fire away, Alex, and I will try to mediocrely answer it well nobody told me i was gonna have to ask a question i mean i, I don't if i don't have time to prepare Come on, aren't you a lawyer you're guys? supposed to be think, able to think <laughs> on your feet as a lawyer oh see now you know now i'm stalling for time so that works too um let's see here objection What's been going on <laughs> um all right coach you said you were just in bloomington what's uh let, let me let me hear your perfect bloomington day Man, I think Mrs. T and I almost had it. Um, I, I like. I, I like. Uh, keep, keep it PG too. Let's yeah, keep it PG. You know, yeah. maybe PG thirteen. Let's. No, we, we, you know, just a couple things. One, go to some good places to eat. Um, stroll around campus. Appreciate uh, appreciate the campus. Uh, for me, it's just uh, it's a big part of of being down there in Bloomington. I know the people who live down there. Uh, the the city. There's a lot to offer in the city as well. But for me, it, it's. A couple of my favorite restaurants, which would be Buffalo's Mother Bears for lunch. Um, stop by the tap uh, in between uh, after a walk around campus, then go to Zagreb's for a nice steak dinner, and then, uh, you know, uh, go to Nick's, maybe Bluebird. Here's some uh, Clayton Anderson when he's in town. Uh, that would be a, a perfect day. I've been down for a taste of Bloomington before. Um, love, love those kinds of things. And uh, it's my retirement site, it's my dream retirement place. Uh, in the next, you know, five to ten years, when I can retire from teaching and coaching, uh, you'll find me permanently uh, at Nick's, probably. So that's your uh, uh, Alex. You want to answer uh, his mediocre question? I mean, my perfect day is just walking into Assembly Hall for a game that actually means something, which hopefully Indiana came back to uh, because there hasn't been a lot of those. Obviously, last season, I didn't go to any games. And uh, I'm just looking forward to, you know, our, our my perfect day is, you know, I remember back to – I still remember walking into Assembly Hall uh, December 10th, 2011 for that Indiana-Kentucky game. Like, just the, the feeling of being in that building. Um to me, I mean, there's so many great things about Bloomington, obviously, just walking around campus and, and enjoying uh, just the scenery. And, and I mean, I feel like uh, that in, of itself is a different experience every time, just you know, getting a chance to walk around and see all the, all the buildings and everything there. And there's definitely uh, a lot of great restaurants. Mal, Malibu Grill is probably my favorite uh, in Bloomington that I, that I like to go to. But uh, just to me, the perfect day is just walking into a, an assembly hall that's uh, – completely packed and there's a different energy and different uh, feeling uh, in the building and then hopefully uh, we can have uh, those days again uh, really soon very good very good mediocre question can you have a very good mediocre question is that is that possible uh, those next are the only question. kind of mediocre questions I have coach yeah. 
Um, Elbows in says anyone from Assembly Call going to Atlantis? Uh, can I buy you a few beers uh, when we're there? I'm not sure. I'm not uh, able to go. Um, I wish I could. I'd like to see the Hoosiers play in their first thing. But elbows in, you can send us money. I'll send you my PayPal, and you know I'll take a, a ten bucks for a couple of beers or something. Uh, anytime you you want to buy me a beer, I'll even drive to meet you somewhere for 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 a beer. Uh, Terrence Harper says this. Um, and Alex, I'll throw this your way. Uh, since the first segment we talked about recruiting, we've we've been hearing a lot of positive comments from visiting prospects the last few days, which we talked about. Do you think Coach Woodson will actually land any? And if so, it seems like he's going after some top fifty recruits, which are always competitive. Uh, maybe maybe you want to. Do you think there is a, a favorite of those uh, the guys who have visited or called, or maybe a number of those guys, or what would be success in your mind uh, of bringing these? top guys in uh this summer uh as far as um who who we land well the hardest thing to figure out about this is you don't necessarily know how many spots or how many guys they want to take um because we don't know for sure how many roster things to be uh next season because of the the free year of eligibility and how that's kind of set guys eligibility clock back um you know of the guys that have visited this month so far the three i mean i think you're doing pretty good if you land one of those guys uh to be honest with you because they're all uh you know they're not say they're all similar uh but they're all front court players and and um they're all uh you know i think caleb banks wants the rankings that are up after the summer is going to be a top 100 kid. The other two are obviously already there. So, uh, you know, I, I think getting – they've already got – a lot of people forget they've already got C.J. Gunn committed, so there's one spot. Um, they can – to me, if they can get two more by the time the signing period comes in, in November, I think they're in, in pretty good shape. Uh, I don't know necessarily that they'd want to um, – do more than that just but, but just based on the sheer numbers and, and not knowing what's going to be available and the other thing that I've, I've kind of in the back of my mind that I've, I've thought about is uh just in college basketball in general how many programs are going to want to have more than three freshmen coming in in a given year anymore because of the transfer portal right if, if you if you if you see an, uh, a need for your program moving forward uh, it may be easier just to go in the transfer portal and get uh, that player rather than waiting for a guy to develop. So I think the days of bringing in these five or six man freshman recruiting class are, are, are probably uh, numbered uh, as far as college basketball goes. You may, you may see it on occasion, but I don't think it's going to be the norm uh, anymore. Uh, yeah. Fr- freshmen, freshmen are kind of, to me, freshmen are kind of like draft picks. They're really great in theory and in practice, sometimes they just don't work out. And so, you know, you hear about all these NBA teams, they want to trade for draft picks and everything. But once those picks are actually made, those draft picks are that <laughs> those go down with a lot of value because the unknown is always more valuable theoretically than the known. Yeah, you know, and the one thing with recruiting is I, I try not to get wrapped up in the close losses as as seeing that as defeats. Uh, you know, Alex and I talked at the beginning of this podcast. I think Coach Woodson's doing a heck of a job with these visits and getting these guys in here and talking to them honestly. But if that's not what someone wants and, and there's there's some better fit, that's not necessarily uh, reflective of the IU program. And, and, and sometimes we get so caught up and it's a winning – it's a win versus a loss recruiting-wise. Uh, I think there's some – you know, there's some issues with that. And I heard an interesting thing today, uh, fellas. Uh, A.J. Guyton had Coach Roberts on uh, talking, and they were talking about the portal. And he said that you're going to see a lot of teams start getting those freshmen 
that hit the portal because it's going to be harder for them to transfer out uh, after that. I think they can still transfer, but now they have to sit out their second transfer. They have to sit out a year. And so, you know, you might not see as many freshmen, but you're watching that that, that <coughs> mid-major or the major programs that had freshmen that didn't play, and those freshmen that come in the portal, if you feel they're going to fit your system and are coachable, you bring them in, that might be the new, quote, freshman class. Uh, it'll be uh, freshmen who have already played uh, played a year. So I think, I think recruiting is just up in the air, fellas, as far as with this portal on what you're going to see as far as who gets recruited and what recruiting looks like in, in the future. Alex, any thoughts along those lines? I mean, I think that's probably uh, pretty accurate. I mean, I, I I agree with with what Jay said that you know it's it's great to you know recruiting you know obviously drives a lot of of what you do with the website and people are tremendously interested in it. But at the same time, you know now with this portal. It, uh, if you can go get a kid that's already proven it at the college level for a couple of years and he's a known commodity uh, and the fact that, you know, we've seen this more and more this year, there, there's big 10 kids transferring within the conference. So it's not like you can only go get certain guys. You can really go get anybody. So uh, I think that it's, it's definitely uh, um, going to be something moving forward where uh, particularly, you know, some of the top programs are going to be picking off kids from other, other schools every year and bringing them in to, to fill specific needs because it's, it's really hard to win with freshmen in college basketball unless you're getting the absolute best ones. And so I think you're going to be want to be really strategic about who you're bringing in on a given year. And you want to have a couple spots open uh, when that portal does open uh, in the spring, because there's going to be good names hitting it. I mean, there's, I think what 1600 names in there this, this year in Indiana, got three of them uh that, that we're all talking about on the show tonight as as players who are going to be important pieces in next year's team so i don't understand why this won't be the norm going forward i, I think it's going to be you're going to have to have a tab have... alex that is a portal tab a uh, portal recruiting board instead of the 2022 2023 recruiting board you're going to have to you know expand uh and hire someone just to <laughs> search the portal for you and I also think this, this, the portal and the way the, the recruiting system is kind of changing puts a lot more emphasis on the kids that, have, that go to the prep schools, that go to Montverde, that go to IMG, because those kids are in a college-like program already. And so being able to get some kids that play, and, and now there's, you know, there's talk of those kind of elite prep schools, Lalibier being another one, that are going to form kind of their own conference and play each other throughout the year. Those kids are basically in college programs right now. So if you can get if you can get kids from those programs, they're going to be a step ahead than the kid that's just at a typical high school. Excellent. Um, okay, we got a couple questions left. Jesse says, um, posting this here because I don't know uh, where else to go with it, so I'm totally fine if it's not discussed. Well, we're going to do it. Um, he, I've seen the same question elsewhere, but I've never seen the answer. Since the day Archie was fired, it seems like he's totally disappeared. Don't most coaches release a statement of some kind, regardless of whether they choose to leave themselves or get fired? It has also uh, become 100% clear to me why he didn't succeed at IU, um, which we kind of mentioned earlier as well. No connection with the fan base whatsoever. It feels so different now in a very good way. Um, Alex, any any thoughts? It, it, it has been um, – uh, 
a little different uh, that uh, he was coaching and then let go and and there's just been no um no word um, or no nothing out there about him and any thoughts on that for Jesse I mean he didn't necessarily go out of his way to talk when he was the coach at Indiana so uh now that he's no, no longer employed and uh, I'm sure is enjoying his free time or whatever he's doing now uh I don't necessarily unless he's trying to get back in to coaching there's no there's no real incentive for him to say or do anything I mean what's what I mean people are asking to hear from him now um I don't know what they think he's going to say that's going to be all that interesting or all that insightful at this point. I mean, he he lost his job. I'm sure that wasn't great for him on a personal level. And we'll hear from him again when he gets a job, inevitably, whether that be uh, next season, uh, not this coming season, but the following season. But, I mean, I, I, I don't – I've had that question too. I just don't really think it's all that uh, – weird that he hasn't said anything because you know he i'm not saying that he wasn't like every time we had an interaction with him he always answered the question but you could tell like he wasn't necessarily all that thrilled that he had to answer the questions so i don't know why he would go out of his way right now to, to make a statement or do an interview that's just not kind of his his personality you know Crean was obviously different or he wanted to kind of get back in immediately and so I, I just don't think archie cares that much so uh, not all that surprising that he hasn't said anything to me. And, and Jay, when, you get, yeah. <laughs> when you get fired, you're pissed off too. So it's sometimes better not to make a statement that, you know, you want to be hired again in a year or two. So you, you might just go take your money, hit a beach somewhere and uh, get back in the game when you, when you need to, um, you know, it's a, it's a tough gig college basketball. If you're not good and you get let go, it's just, it's a tough situation. Sometimes it's better to be silent in my opinion. Yeah, do we not remember Crean having uh, Pete Thamel and Bob Kravitz come stay at his house and then give like glowing interviews about how Crean was screwed over by IU? I mean, that happened. That literally happened. What three years ago, four years ago, whatever it was. So uh, I'm I'm fine with that not happening again. Uh, and hell, if somebody wants to pay me ten million dollars and never talk to you guys again, let's do it. Exactly. Well, I'll take Jesse, that deal right now. <laughs> yeah, Jesse. I hope that was. Uh, you know, I don't know. I I wouldn't talk. Um, uh, it's happened to me at the high school level. Uh, I did I did answer reporters' questions, but I took the high road and uh, and said two two sentences and got out of the way. Uh, it's just something like if you want to get hired again, you just got to be careful not saying what you what you really want to say unless it's with your buddies on the golf course. Um, uh, it, lo- it looks like Archie's moved to a, a very nice house down in the south somewhere. Um, has has a has a view of mountains. Um, he might maybe Arizona. he might have moved down to he might be Arizona. Yeah, as I say, he's. He has a mountain view with a pool. So, I mean, I think he's doing just fine. Yeah. And the last question, uh, Richie says, let's talk about uniforms. I am a traditionalist and want IU to go back to the piping on the jerseys from the night era, but I'm okay with adding names to the back of the jerseys, but really I could care less about uniforms if we just win. What are your guys' takes on uniforms? Alex. I think they should ask the players and recruits what they would most like to wear and do that instead of – worrying about you know obviously there's got to be some tradition that's kept but at the same time like isn't it ultimately about uh the the players and the, the guys that are putting on the uniform in terms of getting them excited about you know wearing the uniform i, I you know th- this whole thing about like having to preserve uh tradition and can't do any alterations to the uniform to me is just silly i mean times change things change um 
uh, I'd like to see um, at least a little bit of leeway given uh, to break away from some of the traditions. I'm not saying throw away the candy stripe pants or take away all the elements of the uniform, but if they want to wear alternates on occasion or you want to get you know input from uh, the players and things like that, I'm, I'm totally fine with that. Jay, uniforms. <laughs> I could not care less about what the uniforms look like. If the players like them, if they're attractive, if they want to play in them, that's completely okay with me. I really could not care less. You know, I, I, I'm old-fashioned, and I'll speak for the, the older groups. I, I like traditional uniforms from all of the teams that I support. I, I'm not a big fan of alternate jerseys, but it's not about me. And that's the thing I would say to fellow fans. It's about the young men who are coming to play for Indiana. And in this era, uh, those what you wear is important. We could argue and you know get, yell, get off my lawn as old people all we want about that's not what it should be like, but that's what it is. And if, if kids need an alternate uniform or you know these videos and stuff, it might not be Coach Tonsoni's ideal thing. But you know what? What Coach Tonsoni's ideal thing is winning. And, and if – if these kids wear an alternate uniform and beat Purdue by 20, let's wear the alternate uniform against Purdue every damn time we play Purdue. I mean, it ultimately comes down to recruiting guys in and doing what the young men, uh, young women in the athletic programs want to do. And as, as long as it's not taken away from school colors or changing things in a wild, crazy fashion, but you can have an alternate uniform that still has um, some of the traditional uh, items um, on them. So, to me, it's about getting Indiana basketball back to where uh, it should be uh, and sooner rather than later. So, Alex and Jay, uh, appreciate you guys being on tonight. We're going to wrap it up tonight and, and send you guys uh, on your way. That's it. We're done. No more questions. Yep. Thanks, uh, Ryan, for uh, your participation tonight. Uh, and so that's going to do it for this week's episode of the Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. Special thanks to Bob Thompson for producing a lot of the music that you hear on the show, and thank you for listening. We'll talk to you again next week or sooner if any news breaks. Take it from me, Yogi Farrell. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim, and go Hoosiers. Thank you. Thanks for coming out. You might get beat today, but each day you got to get better. All right, thank you, uh, everyone, uh, again, for joining us. Again, thanks, guys, for uh, for coming on and, and filling in uh, during the summer, and I hope you enjoy your summer and your new basement, Jay. It looks nice. I'm going to have to stop by for sure now. Announced. Yeah, get on the road, get down here. Yeah. yeah. Are, you in, are you in Indy, Jay? Yeah, I'm on the north side. I'm, like, just across the Hamilton County line, so I'm at, like, 101st in the Monon, basically. So kind of between between Meridian and Keystone. I'm glad we didn't get into a 20 minute conversation about uniforms because I like you don't really care. Just whatever the care. like really whatever the players want to wear. It's it it's like the be. it's like the names in the back thing. It's it's like I really don't care. I mean, I, mean, right. I, 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 I you know you know who you know some of these kids do care. They want their names on the jersey. I mean, they they might be the first person in their family that's gone to college. I mean, they want to, like, there was a kind of a big blowback when the football players, when they took the name off the football players' jerseys for a year. Um, so, you know. Especially with kids, name, name, image, and likeness becoming a thing. Like, why, I, I mean, I'm not saying put the names on the back of the jersey, but at the same time, I wouldn't be 
you know, it seems like there's some people that seem like they'd be offended by that. Like it's some, like there's something wrong with it. And I just, I mean, that's majority of, of, of programs have that. And, and reality is, I mean, these kids want a way to promote themselves and, and things like that. So that, if that's, you know, it, well, it, part, it's, part it's, of our strength it seems like all- this conversation comes up every year. It does. You know? Part of it is our strength is our greatest weakness too. Part of the strength of Indiana basketball is its tradition. And, and some people hang on to, to pieces of the tradition. The tradition should be playing good, hard defense, some motion offense and winning basketball games and getting to the uh, elite eight final four. That should be the tradition um, and, and good academics and all that kind of stuff. The uniform stuff can be stretched a little bit, um, and and that's from a guy that I, you know. When I watch my baseball team, I like I just like pinstripes. I don't like you know blue tops. Or if the White Sox, I prefer them in their pinstripes rather than their pinstripes with the black tops. That's just an, that's just me. Um, but that's not what's happening. I'm kind of surprised IU hasn't done it just from a money perspective. You look at the NBA and absolutely and baseball, all these alternate uniforms. It's like why not? do it for a game or two and just if you come up with something that the people really like you can sell a ton of the uniforms i mean that's yeah a huge thing (laughs) those false imprints on the back with like buildings or something that are famous on campus that went through three or four years ago where several schools had that kind of embedded in the print of their traditional style uniforms indiana could do some of that um even you know yeah and i feel like adidas adidas tends to be a little behind nike and right yeah every time they came up with like a I remember like in the past every time they've come up with like an alternate uniform for like the postseason or tournaments like it's been like so ridiculously ugly that of course indiana wasn't gonna wear it like some of yeah. the uniforms that they gave louisville that they wore i'm like I mean, that's not something – it's one thing to change it a little bit and make it look a little different, but, like, when you do, like, these bright colors and things like that, that's, yeah. that's that was never going to be accepted. Although I think Louisville won a title with, like, the, the no longer counts, but they won a title in some of those ugly uniforms. So, if, you know, they did. so it didn't stop them. It didn't stop them from winning. So Yeah, it's crazy that you don't have to have traditional uniforms to be successful. Alex, you haven't heard anything about it's going to be 100% in Assembly Hall. I, I know the, I, co- the county has been a little tight on releasing. The baseball didn't get to do anything. You haven't heard anything about anything different than a hundred percent. I mean, I think the first thing we'll, I think the first thing we'll hear is football, right? I mean, yeah. I know they're planning on it, but planning yeah. on it and then being able to to do it, I just didn't. I haven't heard anything from where I'm at, but I'm not around very much, so. Yeah, I mean, I, I haven't heard anything. I mean, I I, I just assume at this point, like. All of the, uh, what is it? All the baseball stuff and NFL, I'm sure, is going towards 100. percent right. I mean, I think some, I think some Big Ten schools, like Illinois, I saw 100 percent for next season. And uh, in terms of their on-campus athletics, I would think that we'd have to. Right? It's going to be okay. right. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, they're pre- preparing like it's going to be 100. percent So unless something goes horribly wrong, I would expect it to be 100. percent Good. I need to tailgate again. God, it's been way too long. <laughs> two, two years is too, too long. Is too long. <laughs> yeah, it, it takes a pandemic for IU football to you know to be top ten in the country, and none of us can actually go see him. So, yeah, is their first game at Iowa? Is that right? Yep. Yeah. Hey, coach, are you, you got a hotel room? Did you yes. say for that? Yes. Where are you staying? Oh my goodness, it is in Coralville. 
which is just north of um, Iowa City across the interstate. And I want to say it's, um, let me look at my itinerary here real quick if I can find it. Yeah. I think I convinced my wife to spend our anniversary weekend in Iowa City. So I think she's really excited about that. That's just great. Um, Not saying how I convinced her, but. I've stayed in I've stayed I've stayed in Coralville before. It was like I think I stayed at like a well there was a residence a, in or something. There's a graduate the graduate hotel right downtown that it's not it's not terribly expensive. I mean it's not super cheap, but it's not like you know three hundred dollars or anything. It's a decent it's a decent price. Well, where in the heck did I put this? Coach, you need me to hold my, hold your phone up this far away from you, or <laughs> dude, you guys are young. I'm old. Here it is. Under, what is that, under, like four and a half or five from Indy? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how far it is. Is it that far? It's a pretty easy drive, just up and around Chicago and then straight over. Do you um, have to, Coach, do you have to come down to Indy then drive over? Or no, I go up. I, to, I, go up um, I just go north on 65. Mm. Kathy Amos is staying at I Homewood go. Suites. Um, well, doesn't Kathy live there? She lives in Des Moines. Oh, that's right. Um, but she's coming in and staying at Homewood Suites on Saturday night. That's nice. Not showing up. St. Louis in a couple of weeks is showing up for a Cardinals game. I thought I got Jay. I think you'd probably you'd probably just go you'd go over through like Terre Haute and Champaign yeah. that way. I think. On up. Yes, correct. Yeah. Yeah, I forget we I forget where we I think we go. Yeah, I think we go through Champaign and then up. Yeah. I'll have That's I'll have to look boring. in my email to get my receipt. I, I, no worries. I once drove. I once drove from Louisville in the same season. I once drove from Louisville to Iowa City, and then also in that same season, I drove from Louisville to Omaha because Indiana played out mm. there for. That was the green. It was the year before they won the Big Ten. They played Wichita State. Yep, that's a. It's a pretty pretty boring drive. Yeah, I thought about I thought about flying just because I'm lazy, but I was like, time you time you grab it. It's, it's <laughs> yeah, I mean you have to connect. I'm sure through Chicago. So yeah, I'm guessing there's probably no direct up. flights to yeah. Um, are you staying? Are you going out Friday, Coach? Yeah, I'm going to go out Friday, um, probably after school. Leave at three thirty. Get there at eight. Um, okay. Hampton Inn. Gate? It okay. was at Hampton Inn in Coralville, which is just right off the exit north of. Uh, Whatever the interstate is there, um, and I know I know Galen's coming too. So I've been I've been trying to coordinate with him about because we talked about getting like an Airbnb, but there aren't really any good Air, Airbnb options in in Iowa City. So yeah, because the road that this hotel is on, you just go south a few blocks, and the camp, the football stadium's just um, down around the left and tailgate spots right there. So oh, okay, um, yep, Kathy's on that road just south of the interstate at Homewood Suites. Um, and then the two night one, yeah, it's um, north. I've stayed there before when I've gone to Iowa. I really, really enjoy it. Just make sure I hit firm on those reservations. <laughs> yeah, now who's gonna who's gonna get all of our tickets so we can? It, I ha- is there gonna be like an is there gonna be like an IU section? There yep, usually, usually is a visitor section, right? Yeah, you can go through. Um, you can go through uh, the the ticket. It, agency there at bloomington i haven't oh, okay. done that yet. kathy's got four and i'm gonna try to get four as well and then we're gonna see 
um, where we're at. So yeah, I got my my uh, football season tickets are through Galen, so I gotta talk to him about that. Yeah. So should be should be a fun trip. It, yeah. There it is. Okay, I did hit confirm. That sucks getting old, guys. You youngins. <laughs> Shit, Alex is older than me. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? I got a partially ruptured Achilles, and you're talking about you getting old. <laughs> Come on, man. I'm old. I'm getting old, too. Oh, man. <laughs> Alex, what year did you graduate? 2000. Okay, so yeah, you missed me by a year, I guess, then. Yeah. Holy cow. Were you, tw- were you 2003? No, it was 2005. Okay. Because I was okay. was Maggie 2003 two. or two? Okay. Two. two. Yeah, when I was there. It was still just 10, 11, and 12. Yeah, I was. High I, yeah, I was the last sophomore class to come up. Freshman came up with me. I, I, I did my freshman year at Scribner, and then freshman, the eighth graders came up, or the, the freshman came up when I was a sophomore. So. Gotcha. I could have been your all so. econ teacher. I was teaching econ in 2000 <laughs> and 2005. Ah, you guys. All right. Nah, I'm yeah, I knew Maggie from tennis because my mom was a tennis coach or assistant tennis coach. Yeah, your mom was my, your mom was my math teacher. So. She was mine as well. Talk about talk about hell on earth having your mom as <laughs> senior year math teacher. She's not still teaching, is she? No, no, she <laughs> retired uh, probably a decade ago, maybe. Okay. Okay. Very good. Back when back when Indiana forced out all the teachers that had too much seniority. They threatened to take away their health benefits if they kept teaching. I got hmm. my I got my start under Jim Shannon. Um my first oh, no coaching. Shit. Uh at, I was uh, at Lebanon high school when he was at Lebanon. Um and uh, I was eighth grade uh, coach, ninth grade coach, and then his uh, one of his varsity assistants for two years. And I remember we were at team camp with the Lebanon eighth graders when he got offered the New Albany job. And he said, "Brian, do I take it?" I'm like, "Man, Jim, don't 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 even think not." I mean, you know, um, that's yeah, a when once uh, in a lifetime Ruby, job. Yeah, when Andrew became athletic director, yeah. He went to the same high school as my mom, so my mom's known him since they were – he went to Anderson, mm-hmm. so that's where my mom went to. I always joke with Coach Shannon that I played JV my sophomore and he came to New Albany as a junior. I didn't try out that year. I always joke with him that I quit because he, <laughs> he came to Indiana – or he came to, he came to New Albany, but – He's a, you, I, I he's, one of, he's one of ton, he's one of a ton of games. Yep. I owe him oh, if yeah. I know anything and get any credit for the ten years I was a head coach and the other ten years been assistant. He taught me everything. Great work ethic, um, attention to detail, um, scouting and, and, and being able to break down tape, just a tremendous influence in my life as a as a young coach. He's really proud and happy when he won the state championship because i know how hard he's worked yeah all the spots he had and well yeah new albany not winning the state title for you know what 40 years was pretty wild considering all the good all the good teams they had i mean especially back in the 90s they had they probably should have won two in the 90s um the whitehead season and then the the chad hunter lamont Rowland season yes they were Um, really good they lost in lost in triple overtime to to on a half court shot against was it ben davis i think 
You remember that Alex '97 or something? Yeah, and the Joe Whitehead year they like called a travel or something when he hit. God, that was something. the worst call I've ever seen in my life. Oh my god, I was five and still remember it. Like it was like 1992 and I was five, and I, I was like in tears because it was, he caught the ball in the wing and they said he shuffled his feet and he drilled a three pointer that would have given us the lead and they called traveling. I was like, are you freaking kidding? Me? <laughs> I feel like I feel like the teams from Southern Indiana back before it was. You know when it was just a one class system, uh, the way the way I liked it. But um, when they would get up to state or whatever, it, I felt like they always didn't get the best whistle from the uh, officials. And she's no, it's rough. It, it kind of been like Indiana All Star stuff too. It was like there were certain kids from Southern Indiana. It was like they were always really good, but it was like you'd get like my grandpa. Um, was from Anderson, and I remember like going to the Hall of Fame Classic with him every year, and would just talk about how the, all these players from the North Central Conference and all these Indianapolis kids were so much better than the kids from the South. And I think that was like the mentality of like the Indianapolis and area. Of this is like you know they, they looked at like Southern Indiana and th- those areas as not having as good a, a basketball until it felt like every time they got to state, it, they had to prove something. That was that way up north, too, because I'm from the region um, and the Duneland Conference up there, the Merrillevilles, the South Bend area, Gary schools felt that way about Indianapolis, too, that you're so far away from the main media. um, And then that North Central Conference was so popular um, that that you kind of felt. I I remember Delray Brooks, this will age me, Delray Brooks was uh, played, uh, I played against Delray in high school that they felt they got some raw deals as they moved on down in the tournament and so forth so yeah alex you remember that, that makes uh, it true yeah. alex you remember i think you were you have been in high school i think with the kenitra johnson team uh the the new albany ladies team that went undefeated and won and kenitra was by far the best player in the state went to uconn and didn't didn't win miss basketball because april mcdivitt um who's now ed Schilling's wife somehow I think yeah. um, <laughs> just that's just that whole thing's it fascinated me. But um, Kenitra didn't didn't win uh, even the, I, I, w- I was at that semi-state game and was one of the most amazing performances when when uh, when we played. I think was, she was at McCordsville, I think, or something. And New Albany played McCordsville, and, and Kenitra had like forty-eight points or something, and just just was one of the best displays of basketball. She was so pissed off that she didn't get win Miss Basketball. Oh yeah. I remember that. All right, fellas, I'm going to have to get this stopped. If you've got an insurance question, you could talk to a dentist. But instead of filling you in on ways to save on your policies, he'd probably be too busy filling in that loose crown. Or you could talk to your local Geico agent, who will use their expertise to polish up your policies, from home and auto to renters, motorcycle, boat, and RV too. So while, yes, your dentist can save your smile, your Geico agent could save you money, which will make you use that smile a whole lot more. To find a Geico agent near you, visit geico.com slash local. Hear that? That's the sound of someone trying to steal your crypto. Every day, thousands of hackers online are doing the same. That's why Arculus uses air-gapped cold storage technology to protect your assets. Using our keycard and wallet app to form a protective barrier, Arculus insulates you from hackers and puts control of your digital assets back in your hands. Order the first truly air-gapped crypto wallet at GetArculus.com.